This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Today, I'm delighted to have Elle Russ. She is the author of Confident as Fuck and the best-selling book, The Paleo Thyroid Solution, which has helped thousands of people around the world reclaim their health. Elle is also a TV and film writer and the host of two podcasts, The Primal Blueprint Podcast and Kick-Ass Life Podcast. You can learn more about her at her website, which we will include at the end. Welcome, and thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule. Oh, happy to be here. Always happy to talk about this. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that I was really drawn to and and ironically five years ago, when I created a program for women kind of, you know, late thirties, early forties and beyond one of the required readings for the week of thyroid was your book and excerpts from your book. So it's so nice to be connected to you, but I know perhaps not all of our listeners may be acquainted with your story, but it's certainly is a powerful one because it really, you know, pushed you into being an incredible advocate for not just women, but also men to be able to be informed about what goes on with their thyroid and how we're not in many ways treating it as proactively as we can be. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of health authors and people in this industry, uh, I suffered from something and had to get out of it and figured a way out myself. And that's why I became an expert. So sort of accidentally becoming a thyroid expert. The truth is that many years ago, when I was going through this, there were no podcasts. There was no such thing as even paleo at that time. The only sort of even, you know, remote to that would be like an Atkins, which would be more of a keto. So there was really nothing going on then. Back then, everyone was really into the zone. They were really into like the three meals, the two snacks. Long story short, I was in Hollywood, which I still am. And, you know, I still am an actor actually, but I was, you know, trying to go off of these lead roles because that's my look. And I got fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. It's just no matter what I did, I was working out all the time. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm thinking I'm eating right and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I got hit with hypothyroidism and it, gosh, I mean, it probably completely screwed about six to seven years of my life in my thirties. The first couple of years I went undiagnosed and misdiagnosed by so many doctors. I live in Los Angeles. I had a PPO. I had great insurance. No one could seem to figure it out. Then I had a second bout of hypothyroidism called the reverse T3 problem, which even fewer doctors know how to treat. And so I was left in the dust twice in a decade to solve my own thyroid problems. And so I did. I actually became my own doctor. I would use doctors for labs, not listen to what they had to say and did it on my own. I shouldn't have had to do that. I went to Harvard trained doctors. I went to doctors that were charging $600 for just a visit and nobody could figure it out. They misdiagnosed me. They treated me wrong. They hurt me. They sent me down the wrong paths. And so, you know, I went through this so that everybody didn't have to, so that you can get to A to Z way quicker than I did. The truth is that the most help I ever got during this journey was from fellow thyroid patients. And you know, the best-selling thyroid books are written by patients for a reason. We know what it's like. So I always like to mention them here because these two people really helped me save my own life. One is Janie Botharp. She wrote a book called Stop the Thyroid Madness. And the website of the same name is probably still the best website overall for thyroid health. And then the second bout that I had of reverse T3, I was helped by an author out of England named Paul Robinson, who wrote a book called Recovering with T3. So through the help of fellow patients saying, hey, I think this might be it. And then me going along the journey to fix it, you know, I'm forever grateful. I 
literally still to this day will tear up sometimes thinking about those two authors and what they did for my life. And I know that that's the response I get from people around the world for me. So all I ask is that if you're out there and you got this problem, when you fix it, pay it forward, you know, get the right information to the right people. 99% of doctors are uninformed. So that's sort of my story. It was a super accident. I mean, you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm an actress, I'm a, a comedy writer, I'm a TV film writer. I never really thought I'd be writing a nonfiction health book, but I was compelled to. And so, yeah, so I'll stop there and see what else you got. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I'm a Western trained healthcare provider. And I can tell you that when I was learning about thyroid as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner, is very different than the way I think about thyroid management now. And so, you know, certainly your story, unfortunately, is a story that many people will echo. And so I think one of the things that's really important that people that are listening, if they're trying to figure out if this is a missing piece of the puzzle, is let's talk a little bit about thyroid physiology. So, you know, the thyroid is the anatomy piece, but I think what's really important is really understanding the, the physiology. And so I know for myself, and I feel like I kind of get a pass in this regard because I worked in cardiology as an MP for 16 years. So we weren't really managing chronic thyroid management. We were checking a TSH and a T4 in the hospital. But as you know, and, and you're shaking your head, I know better now. But I think there are a lot of people listening who don't understand the physiology and they think that when they get their thyroid checked, that two or three lab tests are going to be able to give a full clinical picture. And we know that's not the case. So let's dive into this because I think, you know, come with knowledge comes power. And the more that, you know, the people that are listening can understand, it will make sense and why they can say to themselves or to their doctor or their nurse practitioner or their PA, hey, I know there's more than one or two tests. And so let's make sure we're really looking comprehensively. Just want to say that I have never in all of my years have had anyone say, the following, like, oh, my doctor checked my thyroid. They said it was normal and had it actually <laughs> normal. That's messed up. That's really messed up. So that's what everyone needs to know right now. Just because like, no, my doctor said my thyroid was fine. Did they? How do you know? Mm -hmm. What do you know? Get into yourself. If anything that there's a lesson I could teach everybody is, I had to do this myself because no one knew what they were talking about. So don't you put your hands, you know, into a doctor who's got a Harvard degree. I've met dummies with mm -hmm. Ivy League degrees. It has nothing to do with nothing. Okay. You know what I mean? There's someone who can get 99 percentile on an LSAT, like the law school test, but they can't logicalize their way out of a paper bag. So this has nothing to do with that. Degrees mean nothing in this world. So when you've been diagnosed or you think you have a problem, you've got to get into it and learn about it. That's part of what I do when I coach people is help teach them. And obviously in, in things like this here. So when we talk about the physiology of it, I guess I'll say overall, for the people that don't realize how important the thyroid is, if you don't have one, you're dead. Literally, you're not going to survive on a stranded island without a thyroid gland. Now, no one on a gajillion. There's very, very few people are born without a thyroid gland, but let's say you are, if they don't catch it right away, you have mental retardation in that child. End of story or death. So let's say you had your thyroid removed, thyroid cancer, whatever. And you're on a stranded Island without medication. You will be the first one to go <laughs> and you will be the first one to go. So what does that say about life? If you cannot live without this gland, what is life going to be like when you've got subpar outputs of these hormones from this gland and, or, you know, they're not being metabolized correctly you are slowly dying. That's what it feels like. 
Cynthia, it's a terrible feeling. It's accelerated glycation. It is, I look younger now than I did then. I mean, the way that you age with this is, is it's absolutely horrible. And the thing is, is that it is the master gland, meaning, and not just because I say so, because it is. So it is in charge of the production and regulation of all your sex hormones. It is in charge of your body heat, your temperature. That's why when you're hypothyroid, meaning low, you're cold, your hair is falling out, you're fat, nothing's working. You have more metabolism, slow, constipated, you know? And also if you swing the other way, and let's say you're hyperthyroid, meaning overactive. Okay. You're too hot. You're clammy. You're sweaty. You're pooping all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's a whole nother story. So as humans, we're Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. And the thyroid is essentially our thermostat and everything in our life revolves around it. So for example, you're depressed. Your doctor puts you on Prozac. Did they check the thyroid? Because that Prozac is going to last two, three months and that's it. Cause you never got to the root of the problem because there's more receptors in our brain for that thyroid hormone than anywhere else. Did your doctor just tell you your lipid panel was terrible and you need to cut out fat? No, check the thyroid. Everybody's got a screwy lipid panel when they're hypothyroid. You're not burning enough fat. You're not burning the stuff because you don't have the juice, the metabolism, the fire. Therefore, yeah, your lipid panel is going to look great. Do you need a statin? No. You need to fix the thyroid. Same goes for all these other things down the line. High blood pressure. High blood pressure is usually insulin resistance, which is tied to hypothyroidism. So again, you can be like me and go to doctors and have them patchwork all these symptoms around you till you look like a damn blanket, but that's not what you do. You start here first. So I'm happy to either answer questions there or do you want me to go into exactly how this whole feedback loop works and all the hormones? I just don't know how in the weeds you want me to get on it. No, I'd love for you to talk about the negative and positive feedback loops that go on and the hormones, because I think that the more that the listeners understand, the more they can advocate for themselves, because I think everyone will say to me, yeah, that my healthcare provider checked a TSH and they checked a free T4 and they said, as you said, everything's okay. I'm like, that doesn't tell you enough information. Like it's so much more than just that. So yeah, it would be helpful if you want to dive into that as well. Sure. Let me rattle off right away. Again, I provide this for free on a free thyroid guide on my website, lrust.com. If you're like, do I have a thyroid problem? You know, let me see what's up with my thyroid. Let me tell you the six main tests to get the minimum. Of course, there's a million other things you could test that could cause thyroid, heavy metals, blah, blah. Let me just give you the basics. Like is something effed up with my thyroid? Those tests are the following TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. The second one, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, And then you want to rule out, if you haven't gotten them tested already, you always want to check to see if you have Hashimoto's. There are two antibodies for that. Most doctors don't know that. They only check one. The antibodies are a thyroid peroxidase antibody or TPO antibody. The other one is thyroglobulin antibody, TG antibody. So that's TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and the two Hashimoto's antibodies. That right there will let you know is something wrong with me, with my, with my thyroid. Okay. So let's talk about what those things mean and how it works. And I welcome anyone to, you know, sometimes this turns people off and I get, let's just say this. I have a philosophy degree, guys. I do not have a a medical degree. You can understand this on a theoretical level. And while I'm going to be throwing out things like free T3, free T4, it's very logical to understand. You may have to watch it a couple of times, but just bear with me because it will make sense. So essentially your thyroid is a gland. It's at the base of your neck. So it's below your Adam apple if you're a man. And here's how this whole thing works. You know, I already told you that this is like the master gland that gives us this life giving hormone, not only for temperature and all the things we need and, you know, sex hormones, but also heart rate, body temperature, et cetera. So what happens is, is you'll see a normal person in this world everything's working great. 
When your body starts to get low in thyroid hormones, the pituitary at the back of your brain says, hold on a minute and senses almost like a sensor, like, "Uh oh, Elle's body's low in thyroid hormone. Let me send a wake up call to the thyroid gland to do its job because she needs some more. And that wake up call, that signal is called the TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. The problem with this is, is that this is like a 1973 test that is used to test, that's 47 years ago, people, used to test thyroid hormone and it's the worst thing. So if you have a doctor that is judging your thyroid based on this test, they're wrong. And I'll tell you why, because it's going to make absolute sense in a second. So the TSH is just a signal. It's just a wake-up call and it shoots to the thyroid and says, hey, hey, please wake up. Now in a normal working environment, the thyroid goes, got the message, thank you very much. And it pumps out a lot of one hormone called T4 and a little bit of a hormone called T3. Now, why two? If I only really need, there's only one biologically active thyroid hormone and that thyroid hormone is T3. So why is my body pumping out something other than that too? And what is this about? Here's what it's about. T3, which is really the biologically active thyroid, which is why on a free T3 test, you always need to get it tested. And this will make sense. And I'll explain it again more in, in a minute. So basically free T3, T3 in and of itself is extremely powerful and it's fast acting. It has a very short life in the body. It can uh, peak within two, dissipate in four, not necessarily completely, but that's kind of how we look at it. Now, this is a very elegant, really smart feedback loop. So T4 is the storage hormone for T3. Your body pumps out more of that and gives you a little bit direct T3. And then throughout the day, as your body needs T3, the T4 kind of decides on its own. Do I convert into T3? Great. Oh, she just worked out. All right. She might need more. So it does this through the day for you. And whatever T4 that has been pumped out that is not used and converted into this active T3, the awesome stuff that makes you feel normal, will be converted into a process called reverse T3. Now, reverse T3 is just like the inactive form. So it's the TSH sends a signal. The thyroid pumps out a lot of T4, a little bit of T3. Throughout the day, it converts to T3. Whatever's not converted will get flushed out through this thing called reverse T3. Why? Why is this all here? Why doesn't the body just shoot up you know, me with T3 and that's the end of it? Because it's so powerful and also because your body's always trying to save you. We have these brilliant mechanisms and this feedback loop is one of them. The reason that reverse T3 thing is there is that it's an emergency break. So for example, you're going around the world and let's say like, you're starving yourself because you're over-exercising or under nutrient, or you're like starving on an island. It doesn't really matter which way you're starving. The body is going to try to save you in that moment. So the primal perspective of the body is, uh-oh, she hasn't gotten food. Hey, we need to dial this back. We're not going to convert that T4 into the T3. That T3 is like powerful, fat-burning juice. Uh-uh, she doesn't have food. She's running from danger. Mm-mm, we're going to dial it back. Or let's say, God forbid, I got into a horrible car accident and I had broken limbs and everything. The body's going to also dial it back and be like, oh man, there's a shit show of inflammation going on here. Let's not throw some more gasoline onto the fire. We're going to dial it back a little bit, or I get the flu or something. Okay. Now, so this feedback loop is very elegant and it's wonderful, but so many things can go wrong in there. But here's really the big problem with testing TSH and T4. I've lived without T4 in my body for about eight or nine years now. It doesn't actually mean anything unless it converts into T3. T4 is useless unless it converts into the thing that matters. So if your endocrinologist likely has been testing your TSH and your T4 for 10 years, and you've had two miscarriages and gained 30 pounds, and they keep telling you you're crazy, that's why. They're not even testing the thing that matters. Did the stuff convert into the thing that matters? The free T3 test always corresponds with how people feel, period. 
that's just, I can see a free T3 test and go, oh man, you must be hating it. <laughs> like, I mean, I can just see that. And I can also see when someone's probably doing really well. Now, why do we still test these things? Well, the TSH is still applicable. So for example, I had a friend whose wife decided she was just going to stop thyroid hormone after being on it for like 20 years and was okay. She did it. And then her test came back and her TSH, the signal, which is usually a scale of zero to five, let's say it was 150. Oh my God. Okay. So what does that mean? That means her pituitary and her brain are screaming at the thyroid. Please wake up. This person is dying. Meanwhile, she had zero T4 and zero T3. Okay. So the TSH certainly said something there, but it doesn't say the whole picture. And the other thing too, is that it's so fluctuates so much. It's the worst single identifier for thyroid hormones. So this has happened to a lot of people, including Mark Sisson and including people I've talked to that are fit, healthy, not on thyroid hormone. They go to the gym in the morning, they work out, they're fasted. They go in to get their blood work. The blood work comes back and the TSH again, and, and maybe a range of zero to five, maybe it's 3.5. And the doctor's like, "Uh Oh, I'm worried about your thyroid. Here's some Synthroid. Here's some T4. We're just going to give you some thyroid hormone. That is not how you go about it. Did they test their free T3 or their free T4? No, they just decided to go blast this person with thyroid hormone for zero reason because they are uninformed because they're steeped in 40-year-old outdated protocols with regards to how to treat thyroid. It is horrific. Okay. This has happened so many times. It even happened to Mark Sisson. And he goes uh, to the doctor. He's like, I've never had a hypocyst in my life. Look at me. I'm fit. I feel great. I'm a brain. Like I've got a multi-million dollar company. What are you talking about? And we looked at his labs. The doctor never tested the free T3. So you have to test the free T3. The other thing though, is you might get a doctor who understands you have to test TSH, free T3 and free T4 but they don't understand that you have to add the reverse T3 in there. And the reason you have to do that is because if there is a conversion problem, then that person can be hypothyroid. You can be on thyroid hormone medication, doing really well, or, you know, thinking like you're doing well and start to get symptoms. The doctor's like, well, it's not your thyroid. We tested all the levels. It looks great. Did you test the reverse T3? Because often in those times, whatever medication the person's taking, the T4 in it is not converting into the thing that matters. And there's a problem. Now there's lots of things you can do about all these different types of problems, but I just, T3 is the package. Did you get the package? So when you keep testing the signal sent from the brain, this TSH, it's like me ordering from Amazon and I don't get the package. So I just keep ordering it. No, track that sucker. Did you get it? Was it dropped off somewhere? Did the neighbor have it? Where's the fuck? Right? So that's what it is. The TSH and the T4 are useless identifiers on a blood test. They might tell you something if the TSH is crazy or whatever, but sometimes it's not. So if the TSH is normal, the doctor says you're fine. Just work out more and eat less. Oh, so many people hear that. I heard that too. I had a doctor tap on my gym shoes. I said, look, mofo, I'm working out three hours a day. There ain't no chance. This is, you know, hair falling out, acne, bloated, getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Now there are over 40 symptoms in my book, but they will manifest themselves gynecologically with women often right off the bat. They will manifest themselves with men in terms of low testosterone. So now here we go. We got a 25 year old kid who comes to me and they had low testosterone. So the doctor puts them on testosterone. No. Did you test their thyroid first, which is the main responsible for the production and regulation of the sex hormones? Did you test that first? Turns out the guy had a horrible thyroid problem. In all the scenarios, you fix this first because from this, the domino effect happens. So if someone is like, oh my God, my hormones are all out of whack and this, yeah, 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 of course they are because your thyroid screwed up. You got to fix this first. Then go ahead and manage that stuff from there because that testosterone will usually climb right back up when the lipid panel will go back to normal. All The depression goes away. All of this stuff happens when you regulate the thyroid. And 
So many doctors don't know how to treat it. They don't know how to dose it. They don't know how to assess it. They literally are clueless. And so, you know, and it's all over the world, by the way, because it doesn't matter where my client is. It's the same story. Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Australia, I've heard it. It's the same story. They're all testing the TSH, the T4. They don't understand reverse T3. They also don't understand what medication, the medications and how to use them. And I say medications and I shouldn't because they are hormones. And what I like to say is that a lot of people are very scared about going on thyroid hormone replacement. You can avoid it a lot of times. Sometimes this is just dietary nutrient optimization, some mindset work, lifestyle stuff that I've seen people fix a thyroid problem in eight weeks. Naturally, you can do it. But if you do all that and it doesn't work and you have to go on thyroid hormone replacement, people are like, I don't want to be on a medication. And I'm like, I get that because I was like that at first, but here's the thing. I look at them a little bit differently, even though what I take every day to live for thyroid hormone is made in a lab. It doesn't come with a whole shitload of side effects because it's not manipulating my body in a way that it shouldn't be like the birth control pill. And I got nothing ethically against it, but the birth control pill to me is one of the worst things ever for a woman, but it's going in there and it's manipulating our bodies to do something it ain't meant to do. So I look at with thyroid hormones, I'm like, it's giving your body what you don't have, you know? So anyone who's like worried about, ooh, medication, it's not like taking one of these things you see an advertisement for in the nightly news or whatever, right? So it's really not scary, but I understand people's hesitancy. So this gland is really important. There's so many things we can do, but testing and dosing properly. I mean, I've seen people put on medication that never needed to go on it. I've seen people held back from going on medication that needed it desperately. And, you know, there's almost every scenario. So what else can I clear up or highlight about what I said? I don't want to keep going. <laughs> no, no. I love what you said. And I'm definitely going to, during the course of our conversation, weave in my own personal experiences as a patient and also as a clinician, because one of the things that I found so frustrating was how many people now cardiology, you're generally dealing with a chronically ill population. Well, everyone was on Synthroid without question. And I remember how upset patients would be when they would say, well, I was just told my thyroid was fine, but I'm clearly symptomatic and hypothyroid. So that's one, you know, missed opportunities with our patients. But I love that you kind of touched on, there's a lifestyle piece to thyroid management and you know, when we're talking about, you know, what minerals are needed for cofactors to make thyroid hormone, things like zinc and selenium and iron as just small examples, magnesium, but the lifestyle point piece is really critical. And I'm sure there's no one listening that did not have a more stressful year than we expected. You know, COVID is really which is a great time for reverse T3 problems among normal people. So when I described that loop where mm -hmm. the T4 won't convert into the T3 and instead, because it feels a threat happening from somewhere, right? Whether it's starvation or you're running from danger, high mm -hmm. cortisol, all this kind of stuff. That is exactly, I've seen a lot of those this year too. People just stressed out and it's screwing up their thyroid. Doesn't mean they need to go on medication. It just means their stress and their lifestyle has screwed them up there possibly some nutrient stuff and mouth to anus, obviously what they're eating and all that, but really it could be lack of sleep, the running on empty, the fight or flight. That again is sending the wrong signals that you're in trouble. The thyroid doesn't like that. The thyroid wants you to be doing just okay. So it is important the messages we send to it and stress is no joke. I mean, don't we all know that by now? Biology of belief, Bruce Lipton. I mean, if that's one thing you got to hear today, like that is not a joke. I know you keep hearing it, but it's not a joke. It's real because when people chill out and relax and finally get sleep and mitigate stress, oh, you see that the reverse T3 number gets a little bit lower. Things start to convert and they start to feel better. 
Yeah. So I think the foundational approach is really important. And I know when I'm working with my patients, I'm generally talking about, and I don't know what you feel about this, but the whole molecular mimicry. So if you've got diagnosed, especially autoimmune thyroid issues, if you've got Hashimoto's or Graves, but I generally like people to eliminate some of the, you know, big inflammatory foods. I'm sure you're probably on board with this, but things like gluten and dairy that can create this molecular mimicry and soy and a lot of people don't like to hear that because you, I, I'm going to fun foods. My new favorite protein powder is by Equip Foods. It is the safest, cleanest, doctor-formulated protein powder for building muscle and shedding fat that won't leave you gassy and bloated like so many other brands do. It's 100% grass-fed and finished beef protein powder that's good for your gut and tastes delicious. We know that one in three adults don't consume enough protein, and it's certainly a topic we discuss on the podcast with regularity. And if you want to help build muscle and lose fat and keep your immune system strong and have all-day energy, you want to be ensuring that you're consuming adequate protein throughout the day. And actually, if you are north of 40 years old, as I talk about on the podcast quite a bit, we need more protein with age and not less. Each scoop of Prime Protein's doctor-formulated beef isolate protein powder has 21 grams of protein. And with only a small handful of ingredients, you're getting only what you need, 100% carefully sourced real foods and nothing else. No junk, no additives, no allergens, no no chemicals or fillers. And let's be clear, it tastes really good. My personal favorite is chocolate as well as peanut butter. But in my house, vanilla and strawberry are also super popular. Their products are 100% grass fed. They prioritize working with regenerative farms who let their cows graze outside and source the highest quality grass fed beef protein that can be found. They work with small farms in Sweden who are dedicated to humanely raising their cattle and it's independently tested. Additionally, beef protein is packed with things like collagen, gelatin and micronutrients that your body needs. They work to help repair joints and soft tissues like plant-based proteins won't. With six different flavors, including the ones that I mentioned are my family favorites, there are endless recipes, possibilities. They also have an unflavored variety. It's smooth. It blends easily. You don't have to use a blender. It has no funky aftertaste. It tastes amazing with just water, can be mixed into hot or cold recipes, and has over 2,000 five-star reviews and counting. And it comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't love it after 30 days, they will give you a full refund. So the easiest way to check this product out is to go to equipfoods.com slash Cynthia 20. That's equipfoods, E-Q-I-P foods.com slash Cynthia 20 for 20% off your first order. Remember, my favorite flavors are chocolate and peanut butter, but in my house, vanilla and strawberry are close seconds. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix 
then needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. You know what though? You have to, because here's the truth about gluten with Hashimoto's. So for people that don't know, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. Just like MS is an autoimmune disorder that affects the little lining around the nerves and makes people feel like they're plugged into an electrical socket or something. And just like with rheumatoid arthritis, the immune system makes a mistake and starts attacking the joints and their bones fuse and they feel like a hammer hit their shoulder. The same thing or type one diabetes, which is the one that's autoimmune. And again, your immune system makes a mistake and attacks the pancreas and now can't release insulin. The same same thing with Hashimoto's. Your immune system makes a mistake and it starts to kill and try to murder the thyroid gland. One thing we know for sure with all autoimmune disorders, particularly Hashimoto's, grains increase antibodies because the protein and gluten mimics, again, like you're talking, it's a mimicry. It mimics this sort of thyroid tissue, or you could say. So the immune system is like, uh-oh, let's start to kill it. The best thing you can do with any autoimmune disorder is to get rid of the things you just talked about and including canola oils and all that kind of stuff. Clearly, you know, I'm an ancestral paleo primal person. You don't have to be on that path and eat red meat, but I do believe in eating the flesh of animals and no grains, no gluten, no legumes. Dairy-free is pretty the strict way to go at first. Then you can kind of modify and say, all right, maybe some heavy cream every now and then or some full fat, you know, unpasteurized cheese or okay, I'd add a potato or I'll have... But for the most part, um, now I don't have Hashimoto's, but if you do, now we've seen this, I've seen it drop from like 400 antibodies to 20, just from somebody going paleo, just going gluten-free. So at the very minimum, you got to go gluten-free if you have an autoimmune disorder. And I suggest like full on and including the lectins that are in beans and things like that. These things are very antagonistic to people with autoimmune disorders. The AIP autoimmune protocol, the paleo autoimmune protocol, something everyone could look up. And it doesn't mean you're never going to be able to eat a piece of New York pizza, you know, with gluten in it. It just means how quickly do you want to get better? You got to get there first, right? It's like, Hey, you want to enjoy ice cream again, but you're obese. Guess what? You got to get way down first before you're in that space where you're actually going to be able to even think about it. And this is the same here. So I don't want anyone to think that this is a license to never have a grain in their life. On the other note, my gosh, there are so many grain-free options. There's great grain-free bread. There's grain-free pasta. There's grain-free pizza dough. And the stuff is good. It's even better than the cauliflower stuff. So while I don't suggest that on a healing journey, I suggest staying kind of as clean as you can. But there are these things now that don't have these offensive components to it. And it really is part of the piece. But particularly with autoimmune disorders, grains are no joke. And a lot of people with, if you get the diagnosis of the Hashimoto's quickly enough, you can and sometimes through diet and optimization, just stay off thyroid hormone and just keep those antibodies in a real low in the range area and people do fine. And then they go off on a gluten binge and then they feel like crap. And then they, you know, I mean, so it's really, we've seen it. I've seen it with friends, clients, things like that, but that doesn't mean you have to not, I eat bacon burgers. I mean, there's still like so many delicious things to eat. I just think, and again, there is grain-free bread now and why this stuff is more expensive. It's there. It's got the texture. So there's really no excuse to kind of not do it since there's some substitutes there, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's so important to hear this other than just for me, because I will talk all day long about anti-inflammatory foods. Now, let's say you've done all the lifestyle stuff, you've cleaned up your diet, and this is of particular interest to me right now. 
We know that a few months ago, there was a huge national recall of the NP. natural desiccated thyroid products, specifically Nature Thyroid, WP Thyroid versus the synthetics. And why I think this is of particular interest to my listeners is that, you know, I'm very open about the fact that I've been taking Nature Thyroid for about four years. I have non-autoimmune, I don't have Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, probably more a reflection of the fact I'm a middle-aged woman. This is just kind of where a lot of middle-aged women end up with underactive thyroids and doing all the other things. And so I was transitioned from that to compounded T4, T3. Remember we talked earlier inactive, active thyroid hormone. Well, I got overdosed. And so I compounded. Oh yeah. And from what I understand here, I am, I'm a nurse practitioner. I think I know a lot. That is one of the hardest things to compound is thyroid hormone. As you talked about, it's very delicate. There's a lot of nuances. And so I finally got to a point where I just felt terrible and now I'm on armor thyroid. So these armor seems to be the one right now. That's like, okay. It's been a tragedy because NDT was very stable and incredible for years. And the thing about the uninformed doctors, they always used to say it was unstable. So it kind of sucks that it became unstable. It really pisses us off because that's like the one thing that it was. And now they're kind of a little bit right, but not really. But okay. So Nature Thyroid had a lower kind of dose issue. NP Thyroid had too much T3. We could have killed somebody. Compounding pharmacies, actually, it's not difficult. But here's the thing. You just have to do- I have everyone double, triple check with pharmacists. Like, I want to make sure that in each pill, there's this much T4 and this much T3. And you just have to have a doctor who understands that. The one time, the doctor on my book, Dr. Forsman, said there was one time in all of his years of compounding where they did screw up and they put so much T3 that the person literally had to go to the hospital and be put on beta blockers because they could have had a heart attack. Again, T3, very powerful, you know? So, and again, heart rate. So again, the people that are hyperthyroid, extra dangerous because they can have a heart attack. Yeah, because their heart rate just goes crazy. So that's what it could have done to you. Thank God it didn't. I think armor is cheap and great and the way to go. And if you're in Canada, it's Urfa. There's different names for it elsewhere. The best combination for someone who to take thyroid hormone is a T4, T3 combination because it is the most endocrine mimicry based on what I just told you about this feedback loop. Everyone can even see that our bodies don't just pump out T4. So why would you just give a patient T4 only, you know, our bodies don't just pump out T3. I take T3 only though. That's a last resort. The most optimal is a T4, T3 combo, whether that's a combination of Synthroid and Cytomel, which are just the two brand names of those hormones, or whether it's compounded thyroid or whether it's armor, which is natural desiccated from a pig and has some other things in it. They're all good choices, but the ideal is usually a T4, T3 combination. And again, people can do well on T4 only, but it fails so many people so often that I just, I feel like sometimes at the end of the day, I mean, like if you're on T4 and it's working for you, great, but I've seen it fail people over time. So T4, T3 is the most endocrine mimicry and the best and armor is a great choice. Yeah. And it's interesting. So when we're talking about Synthroid, for those that are not familiar, that is synthetic T4. And I think part of the learning process for many clinicians is that not everyone can convert that synthetic T4 to the active form of thyroid hormone T3. So let's kind of talk about some of the pitfalls. Like what are some of the things that can impact that conversion? Because it's important for people to understand this piece and it can explain why sometimes people can be on Synthroid. Their one or two labs that are done show that they're okay, but they still feel poorly. Yeah. So, okay. So there's so many things that can mess with conversion. 
Selenium is really important, as you mentioned it, for conversion. Iodine is important too. But see, when I say these things, people go online and they'll try to get like a big bottle of Lugol's iodine and they'll overdo it and you can screw yourself up. So take it easy. Don't go jam yourself with iodine. But those things are really important. But often when you up grade your selenium, the iodine status gets regulated too. So that's something a lot of people don't know as well. So, okay. What causes, aside from like lifestyle stuff, you're starving yourself, you're running the rat race, you can't go to bed, you're stressed out. Okay. Those things. Yes. The mental lifestyle things over exercising. Okay. All those things. But then there's other things like heavy metals, heavy metals have a absolute effect on the conversion and also mitochondrial function in general. You could have gotten mono as a kid and had an EBV flare ups that sometimes can ignite and make, or make you feel the general, I don't feel wells. And perhaps it's not your thyroid, but it's that. Again, lots of different threats, certain cancers, certain infections, uh, SIBO, you know, gut health. And while thyroid things often screw those things up, we don't know which came first sometimes, but that's how it goes. And those things can affect as well the absorption and the um, metabolism of thyroid hormones. Any others you want to add? I'm sure I might have forgotten a few. But so it is important, of course, to work with a functional practitioner who's going to look at the whole picture. And again, there's people that have investigated this for years. They're like, I've done every heavy, they've done all the things and oh, still hypothyroid. Well, okay, now it's time for medication. How long do you spend there? That's up to anybody because you could always go on thyroid hormone, get unhypo, fix all the stuff, and then see if you can get off of it. But of course, yes, you want to be conservative about it. No one wants to take a pill for the rest of their life if they don't have to. I certainly don't, but I do because it keeps me alive. So you do your best. You can also do them concurrently. Low iron, low ferritin, low iron storage really screws up with your own thyroid hormone getting to where it needs to go. And it also is one of the biggest pitfalls in anybody starting with thyroid hormone replacement. Most doctors don't understand that you have to have ample ferritin and iron for this to work. So then what happens is the patient starts the thyroid hormone and they get all sorts of weird symptoms that are totally ferritin related. And they're like, this is a word because they can't raise their dose and get to where they need to go unless the ferritin is right. And so that is an important thing. Now, of those six tests I mentioned earlier, I would, of course, add ferritin and B12 and a few other things like homocysteine. And again, there's a million other tests, but just as a basic, ferritin's always one to rule out because sometimes as you're starting thyroid hormone, you also need to be taking iron in the day too as you go along. That's what I had to do. My ferritin was so drastically low. I had restless legs. I was a total disaster. I was passing out. And so as I was taking my armor at the time, I now take T3 only, but I was taking armor at the time and I had to jam that. I mean, I had to do them together as I went up the ladder. And if they're not there, so sometimes the dumbest thing, like a $50 ferritin test is the missing link in someone's entire health. So dumb, the cheapest bottle. Oh my God. Iron's like the cheapest thing in the world. Right. So sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes people come to me and I'm like, Oh, you just, and then like three weeks later, they're like, Oh my God, I feel like a new person. I'm like, that was just a dumb iron. So sometimes this stuff's really simple when it comes to the thyroid. It's just a component that needs to be optimized. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, no. And I think it's so helpful to hear all of those things. I know, you know, through my own kind of health thyroid journey, it was mercury, you know, I, had really I didn't have mercury, mercury amalgams, you know, we can actually transfer mercury to our fetus. And so my mom had a lot of mercury amalgams. And of course, you know, I was a 20 year veteran in the healthcare field. And you could, I had every vaccine as an adult that you could get and then some. And so, you know, when we started looking, you know, actually my functional medicine 
provider said, this is the highest mercury level I've ever seen. I'm genuinely concerned. And so because I was so concerned about chelation and the side effects, we went a different direction to, to get rid of the mercury and my thyroid improved a little bit. But to your point, I got to a point, I was just tired of being tired. I was like, I can't fight this more. I'm an active you know, person and I feel like I can barely get myself out of bed in the morning and this is not the way I can live. And I remember within two weeks of starting Nature Thyroid, I felt like a light bulb had been turned on. I was like, oh my God, why did I suffer for so long? You know, because people get used to that. Let's talk about that because this happens all the time. And, you know, so listen, like if you're in this world and you're like, oh, whatever, I'm just getting old because I don't work out. No, something's wrong with you. (laughs) Um, Because there are stages. Sometimes people catch this right away. You know, one week they're freezing and they're exhausted and they go to the doctor and they go to the right doctor and they figure it out. Oh, that's wonderful. A lot of people suffer longer than that before they get the answers based on all the uninformed doctors and in general. So, you know, like during this process, it creeps up on you and you get used to it. Mm-hmm. So you start to feel a little better and this can happen. Someone will get on thyroid home and go, oh my God, this is like amazing. I feel so much better. And then they don't realize that there's actually a whole new level beyond that. And they're like, damn, I thought that was good, but holy shit, I didn't even know because it goes up in stages, but it also goes down in stages. Usually someone doesn't just feel like crap one day. It's a progression down and then other things are happening, right? As that progression is breaking down. Think about it too. When you're really hypothyroid, you're not, you're in a disease state. So you are not detoxing properly. All the, Mm -hmm. all the things are not working. So it's hard to clean up stuff Mm -hmm. in that state unless you catch it quick. If you've been suffering for a while, it might mean like, by the way, how much do you take of armor? Well, here's the funny thing. So as you probably know, anyone that's listening, when you go from one NDT to another, there's not an equivalency. And since they overshot the compounded, they kind of said, okay, well, you were taking 48.75 of nature thyroid. So we're going to put you on three 15 milligram tablets of armor. So this is a funny thing. Every morning I get up, I count out three pills, trying to make sure I actually have them in my hand to get them all in my mouth at the same time. So I take 45 milligrams right now. And within a week, I started feeling a whole lot better. So I think this is a much better, for me, much better option or bioindividuality is really key here. You know, finding out what works best for you and your body. Let me throw this out. Not like it's going to be live coaching, but let me just throw it out to you. That's great that you were on 45. Did you get tested three weeks later though to see that what that was doing? Because oftentimes people stay on some entry level dose for a while and then you can actually become more hypo quickly because you are introducing exogenous hormones. So it's really important. And this is the mistake a lot of doctors and patients make. They don't test soon enough. They're like, oh, well, I'll just stay here for a few months and see what happens. No, go get tested three weeks later because then guess what? Could take five days for those results. Now we're at a month. How quickly do you want to get your optimal dose? And one of the things people need to understand about thyroid hormones is you never can just kind of give someone their optimal dose. It's so individual. You start off slow because of the way that, especially in a T4, T3 combination, the way that the T4, it builds up, you know, and then it gets steady. Then it starts releasing. Three weeks is enough time to see what a dose has done. So for you, I do suggest you get every tested every three weeks. And if you need to move up, you move up. But your numbers, you should be completely symptom-free, like completely. And so sometimes people are like, yeah, I feel a little bit better. That's good. And you're like, yeah, but is it optimal? Because you can still be a little hypothyroid and feel better than you did when you were super hypo. Does that make sense? And I'm you know, happy anytime to look at your labs, but and you probably know what you're doing. But I would suggest because, and here's why. 
Not that it couldn't be the case, but it's very rare that someone is optimized on 45 milligrams. It's rare that someone's optimized on even 60. It can happen. I know a guy who's six foot four and, you know, it doesn't matter body weight. He's optimized on 60 milligrams of armor, but it is very rare. So mm-hmm. I would just say to you, please check because you might even need to go to a level you haven't gone to yet. No, and that's really valuable. It typically, actually, my practice is actually pretty good. I mean, they always say six weeks. I am OCD, so I do four. I agree with right. you. It's getting towards the end of the year, and I, it's on my little sticky note to make sure I've got my follow-up appointment. Now, a lot of the questions that I got when I told people that we were connecting today were related to when people are hitting middle age. You know, how much of this is, you know, perimenopause, menopause, People were asking about fasting, you know, what your feeling is about fasting. I feel like if all the lifestyle stuff is where it should be and people are sleeping and they have good energy and their nutrition is key, that, you know, fasting can be beneficial for mitochondrial function and then also the thyroid. But curious to know, you know, what your thoughts are on middle age, like how much of this are we supposed to just kind of accept? And I speak to men and women, not just women, but, and then the fasting piece, because those questions came up consistently. You know, the wonderful thing about Western medicine is all of the advancements in anti-aging. The fact that you can choose as a woman when you're headed through perimenopause and menopause to replace those things, or you can choose to go au naturel. I'm going to be choosing the bioidentical hormone replacement part. Likely. I can't imagine that I wouldn't. I already do take testosterone because I am perimenopause because I am 47. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm at that age too. I hate to admit it because I look so young, but anyway, still (laughs) I'll admit it now. So The worst scenario is when someone is seriously hypothyroid and they're at menopausal age. This does take a lot of skill with a functional doctor to figure that out. But again, it still goes back to get this thyroid right as much as possible. You might be able to do some bioidentical stuff, but you never know what's going to kick back after that. A certain level of something could raise. So always fix this first. You can sometimes do it concurrently. You need a really skilled anti-aging functional doctor to do that. A lot of doctors do not understand the bioidentical hormones. They go solely on tests. You don't go by that. There are people that have high testosterone on a lab that need testosterone. There are two women, you could compare their labs, the same age, they have that the same level of hormones, one is feeling awful, one isn't. So just because someone says, oh, your testosterone looks great, it's at the right part of the range, a lot of the game of the experimentation through going through perimenopause and menopause is unfortunately an N equals one. It's getting to know your body. It's like, oh my God, are my nipples too sore? That means maybe I need to dial back the estrogen. There's so many things about this and I've done a, a couple podcasts on it myself. So a lot of doctors are strictly looking at just blood results or saliva test results. That's not really how you play that game from what I've learned. And it's intellectually unsatisfying because, you know, I talked to my functional doctor, the doctor on my book, Dr. Gary Forsman. And I said, well, before I go through all this years ago, I was like, what if we take all my hormones and we test them three times in a month? That way, when I get to menopause, we can mimic. He's like, yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's, he's like that. I get where your logic. And then I said to him, I go, why shouldn't we test me for hormones? And he goes, it, you're going to hate my answer. And he tells me why I'm like, because it's very unsatisfying, but that's how it is. It's only going to tell us so much we can do it. I do it for people because it makes them feel better, but it's really not actually necessary in a lot of ways. So it is a complicated time. It's also the time that if you are approaching your forties, like get it together, get it together now, before you hit this, get the baseline of the thyroid and all the stuff and clean it up before you even have to head into that. Hey, look, I just had to work on all this BS to get over the thyroid thing. You think I'm excited about what's ahead in the next five years? No, I'm not excited about 
about tinkering with that stuff again, but at least it's there. And then, you know what? I know lots of women who have gone through it naturally, who have done acupuncture and herbs regularly with no symptoms through menopause. So there are lots of alternative modalities for that. The adrenals will suffer you know, right. As the hormones are dropping, adrenal suffering can affect the thyroid. This is a triad. This is a complicated thing. So yeah, it's really even more important when you're getting into your forties that you, Hey, pony up and get a good functional workup. Someone who's just going to do an overhaul with you. You know, it's not the doctor you're going to go to when you get the cold or whatever, but it's the one that's going to do the major overhaul. I mean, I didn't realize there were certain things in my blood work that were genetically related or this, that, and the other that I needed for life and for my heart health. You know, I had very high homocysteine. I didn't know I had an MTHFR mutation. I have to take a methyl B12 folate every day. I didn't know that, (laughs) you know, because no Western doctor with a CBC is going to test it. And by the way, so I have my functional doctor that I, you know, is out of pocket and the doctor on my book. And then I have my, I call him the dummy insurance doctor down the street, you know, now I go to that doctor and I will take tests from my doctor and go, Hey, do you mind taking these tests? Cause you know, And she, the first time I asked her, she said, sure, but I don't know what some of these are. Okay. So that's it. It's an honest statement, but here's the problem with that. I know damn well she didn't afterwards go, huh? Another doctor suggested some tests that I don't know. Maybe I should look into those and find out what those are. I know she didn't. And most of your doctors aren't, they're not geeking out. They don't care. And when I went in there to ask her, she goes, well, we don't test free T3. I'm like, are you kidding me? Kaiser doesn't either. So my doctor said across from me going, well, I can test your TSH, but we don't cover the free T3. That would be extra. You'd have to pay for that. So they are still at all of these medical centers. I live in Southern California. I'm in a big city. They are still not testing the thing that matters, that corresponds with how you're feeling. They don't test it. So you have to ask extra for it. Some of them don't test it at all. They're very resistant to testing reverse T3 because they don't know about it. And again, this is why you don't go to the 15-minute HMO doctor. They're not going to give you a solution. They're going to give you a pill or or surgery, a prescription. That's why you go to a functional doctor that's going to spend two hours with you and get into you personally, you know? So, wow, I mean, my life was saved by a functional doctor. I could have had a heart attack or a stroke at the age of 42 because of some really dumb stuff that took a very cheap fix on some dumb supplements. And I mean, sometimes it's just simple and you go, I could have died because of this. So take it seriously. And yeah, so the menopause thing, this is what I noticed. So I am going through issues too, but I still get regular periods. Everything's fine. But I was noticing that I was crying all the time. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mycosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including 
including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armrest Colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Like Hallmark movie, like cat commercial, right? Like, or just things. And by the way, this is a sign of it happening, which is being emotional about nostalgic things, things that are even positive, but not being able to stop weeping about it. Like just thinking about how much I love my mother and crying. And I mean, I had painful, I was crying all I'm like, like, oh my God, three days after taking testosterone and only one milligram, I was like, oh my God, oh, crying's gone. Dry eyes are gone. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, things are happening. Oh, I'm wetter there. Uh, I didn't have any sex drive issues. I didn't have anything. You might see me because I'm an alpha female as someone who's already got high testosterone. And I think that's probably why I noticed it was going because lean, lack of lean muscle mass. I mean, I was working out. I'm not building muscle. Those are the kind of things. 
will I add progesterone in soon? Will I, you know, I don't know. I'm in the phase of probably hacking this in the next couple of years and figuring it out. But you always got to get this thyroid right first because none of these other hormone replacement options, they will just be patchwork. You still might need to do the patchwork, but then at least you're doing smart patchwork based on a good primal baseline of where your thyroid should be, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I think it's really important for people to hear this because I see a lot of women, by the time they come to me, you know, they might've gone through menopause and they very clearly need some bioidenticals in addition to everything else. But I remind them that if we don't do all the groundwork, you know, the foundational, we're not sleeping, we're not dealing with stress, we're not moving our bodies or, you know, we're eating a garbage diet, you know, all the hormones aren't going to help. It's like, that really is critical that we are doing the foundational work. And I see women that breeze through perimenopause and a menopause, and they're generally the people doing all that foundational work. So big takeaway message for everyone listening. Yep. If you're in the middle age and you're making that transition into menopause, some of us are closer than others. I have a big birthday in August, which I haven't, oh, quite, wrapped uh, my, haven't quite wrapped my head perfect. around yet. August 1st, when's your birthday? Ah, you're Leo, I'm August 19th. Yep. If you're getting closer to that point in your life, it is absolutely critical that you take care of yourself because the women having horrible hot flashes are probably drinking way too much wine. Their diet is garbage. They sleep three or four hours a night. They're over-exercising. They have no connection with a higher power. They don't meditate. They don't take walks in nature. They sure as heck don't fast. They probably are eating all day long. And, you know, I just find that women will make that transition easier if they really start to prioritize themselves, which is my segue into fasting. Yes, fasting. I forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's something that it got asked so many times. I was like, okay, I hear you. So for the women that were asking about what your thoughts were on fasting, I was curious to know. Okay. So we're talking about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's a great therapeutic thing to do. I think it's a great thing to go in and out of. Sometimes you have to be there all the time. It depends if you have epilepsy or traumatic brain injury and you've got to be keto. Yeah. Okay. There are certain physical ailments that absolutely require this attention to it constantly. Here's where we run into problems. People, when they get hypothyroid, they start to get fat usually. So they start to then go, oh my gosh, I'm going to go keto. I'm going to do this fast. I'm going to do this. This is something that if any of my clients were listening, they'll be like, yeah, I've heard this one before because the hardest thing to wrap one's brain around is that what you are trying to do there is you are trying to take a dietary, whatever paradigm, and you're trying to put it on a body that is not working. So then they wonder, then they go keto. They go, I got so fat on keto. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you did. Because now could going keto solve a thyroid problem? Yes. But let me give some nuances here. So for example, Let's say I've just gotten really fat because of my lifestyle and I'm headed towards type two diabetes. I'm pre-diabetic. Well, that can cause thyroid issues. So in that kind of case, yeah, getting more insulin sensitive and using intermittent fasting as a tool and doing the right things could absolutely not only help that person lose weight and get their HbA1c down and all that stuff, but absolutely help their thyroid profile. Would it also help for someone who's taking thyroid hormones who's gotten there? Yeah. The stuff's not going to work right either when you're pre-diabetic. It's not going to be able to get into the cells and get to where it needs to go. But for people that are suffering who have not been on medication yet that are trying to fix the thyroid problem, mm, I'm a little weird. I'm not a big fan of doing it or doing it lightly. So for example, I'm a person like I hate breakfast. I don't want to eat in the morning. I'm just not, it's never been not interested, but there are times when I kind of know I need something, or maybe I am hungry at 10 AM and it's, I'm not happy about it. Cause I don't, it goes against my kind of routine. I'm not going to push that fast just because I'm a person that fasts. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. 
Okay. So even if it's like, you're not even hungry, but it's something light, maybe it's a quarter of an avocado with a little bite of tiny salmon. Maybe it's something, but something in that time frame, And that maybe not every day, maybe you do it once a week when you're dealing with a health issue, particularly thyroid, I just try to say, Hey, try to do the three meals or two, but then one little tiny one, like I'm talking about, maybe it is a teaspoon of coconut oil and a bite of a half an epic bar. I, but something like a little something. And again, because cortisol and blood glucose and all of that stuff is so off when you're hypothyroid. And again, it's just, it's one of the things like I keep exercising, I keep getting fatter. And this is what I would say to the hypo people out there that are watching and listening to this is great. So when you go work out, how do you feel a couple hours later? Because when you're hypothyroid, you feel more bloated and more fat. When normal people work out a few hours later, they feel tighter and slimmer, and right? And everybody's answers it the same way. They're like, no, I feel more blue. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because you know what you just did with that workout? All you did was tap on those adrenals and have them blast cortisol at you, which only gets you more fat around your middle. And everyone listening knows what I'm talking about with that because they go, yeah, I do have a tire. Yeah, that's right. So it's not working for you. But here's the thing, the mental stuff in our head is like, if I work out, it's supposed to burn fat. If I, right. But you're kind of a temporarily crazy person because you somehow think you have a normal body with normal metabolism. And until you get that body, things are going to work right. You can't get fan adapted. I just talked to a client this morning who has gone up the ladder with natural desiccated thyroid. She is now completely optimized, feeling great. And one of the things I said, okay, I said, okay, I've seen you get better you're now perfect. What was that last change? And she's like, you know, I noticed that like, I'm not really that hungry because she's able to be satiated because she has enough T3. She, she's able to experience what we talk about in the paleo ancestral community of being fat adaptive, of understanding what it's like to not be food obsessed. When you're hypothyroid, no matter which way you cut it, you could be hypothyroid on medication and have a reverse T3 problem. You could be hypothyroid on medication, not enough. You could be hypothyroid without medication. All of those scenarios breed an eating disorder almost because your body does has no T3 or very little. And so the adrenal glands are like, we got to get her out of bed. So it's out pumping. All of those things, you're craving carbs, you're craving sugar, you're craving things to give you quote energy. You're craving the energy things. You don't need those anymore once you're optimized. I mean, I'm not saying them in your life. I'm just saying you don't feel that anymore. So when people are like, I don't understand. I did this thing. I went paleo. I don't, everyone's talking about being fat adapted and like not thinking about food, but I'm still thinking about food because your thyroid's still screwed up because this paradigm won't work. Always try it though. Because again, sometimes people just have a thyroid problem because they've have a bunch of junk in their life. They just need to detoxify and figure it out. Like just need to do the basics like you do with your people. And then great. So did that work? Okay. Oops. No, it didn't. But then at least we are at a good baseline for what we need if you have to go on thyroid hormones. At least you've edged up to that. So it's always worth a shot, always. Because even in that eight weeks, if none of the numbers change and things don't get a little bit better, at least you've primed your body and gotten it ready to receive the thing that it's going to need to get you better. So fasting is a tough one. And I here's the thing, like, see, if it were me, I would have not eaten at all until after this because I just wasn't really hungry. And I already woke up. I went swimming. I've been fasting all day, but see, I kind of know a little bit better. And I'm also trying to, you know, build some muscle mass. So part of me was like, no, I'm actually, I've had a scoop of whey protein powder with some water and something else. Cause I didn't want solid food. I wasn't feeling it today, but I still made sure I had some kind of nutrition there. I had like a green drink with some whey and it felt like, you know, to me that, and again, that was sort of a medicinal type of move, a strategic move, not because I was hungry, probably would have been fine. 
but I also just didn't want to get to that point. It had been many hours and I was like, no, I know enough where that's the right thing to do today. You know, and then later I'll be eating like my main meal, what I want. So again, I think when you're looking at fasting, what's the intention behind it? Because yes, it's great for anti-aging autophagy, all the good things in our bodies are happening when we're not eating. And I do suggest that people start to understand what it is like to be hungry. I think that's really important to get used to it. And then not starving all the time. I don't mean that. I just mean not full bloated. You ate your ass off. Cause I used to be an overeater too. And what people need to know that I didn't know until like years ago was overeating, even healthy foods is inflammatory situation. That is also inflammatory. So even though you're like, yeah, but I'm eating all these great proteins or I'm eating all this great broccoli and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But that could still be inflammatory. So I think, and I used to be one of those people where every time I ate, I stuffed myself to the limits. I was, I was never not totally full. And it took a minute to be like, "Mm." have to learn where hunger is. So the fasting thing is what's your why? Why are you doing it? And then what state are you in? And uh, like, if it were cancer, okay, yeah, you know, shush, I, if I got cancer tomorrow, I'd probably go very straight, strict up, straight up keto. But in general, most people, I think it's like, hey, just kind of stick with a, again, I, of course, I'm a proponent of paleo primal ancestral health, but which is pretty much like a higher or moderate fat you know, moderate protein, low carb paradigm. You don't have to go super keto. And I like the idea that Mark Sisson brings in with metabolic flexibility. One day, maybe I literally am carnivore and only eat meat. Maybe the next day it's 50 grams of carbs. Maybe the next day it's 120. Maybe the next day I do a blowout on Thanksgiving. The day after it's 20. Getting flexible and letting your body, again, tricking it up, but having it decide like it should be able to grab its energy from where it needs to. And that's really part of being metabolically flexible. So I don't think any of us should be on the same thing every time, every day. I mean, if that works for you, that's great, but that's not also very ancestral. You know, it's important to sprint every once in a while. It's important to lift heavy things. It's important to like fast every once in a while. Now, prolonged fasts, I mean, that's a different story. And I kind of suggest that if you're doing well and you're already great, then that might be the way to go. Unless like you have a practitioner that really wants to put you through something substantial, you know, look, maybe you are morbidly obese and there has to be something like that drastic. But for the most part, most people don't need to do that drastic stuff. And fasting for longer than that can screw up the thyroid situation again, because you are sending a signal. And so things might not convert, you know, I don't have that issue. So I take the last resort choice of thyroid hormone replacement, which is called T3 only. And it really is the last resort. But the reason I take it is because I had an unresolved reverse T3 problem, meaning that no matter what T4 I was taking, it was not converting into the thing that matters. It was converting into the reverse T3. T3 is the only thing that does not convert into reverse T3, which is why it is my answer and why it keeps me alive because it won't go into reverse T3. That being said, that's not optimal. You actually want this feedback loop to do being, it's doing its job. I'm a human being with the human brain now trying to decide what I cellularly need at any given moment. And it fluctuates. And again, it's a pain in the ass and you really have to be attentive to detail when you're on T3 only. So again, going back to that T4, T3 combination, great. Doing any crazy fasting or weird stuff can mess with that. And also too, it's not getting you what you think it's getting you. That's the problem because most people are doing it for the weight loss. But if you don't have enough of the juice to even burn the fat, it doesn't matter. You could eat a grape every day. You'd still get fat if you were hypothyroid. And that's the thing that goes through. Like I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything. I'm like, I know. And it's the time when life logic mismatches with your body. Like all these things people are doing, you're like, yeah, because that's a normal body that has normal T3. That's why that works. In fact, you can't even get into ketosis when you're seriously hypothyroid or hyperthyroid because I have been hyperthyroid before being on too much T3. 
And by the way, hyper, not meaning like talk fast or energetic. If people think of it like cocaine, it's not actually like that. <laughs> just someone to tell people that I had a doctor tell me, they're like, I think you're hyperthyroid because you talk fast. And I was like, mm, yeah, we haven't met because I've been talking this fast since I was <laughs> like two years old. But when you're hyperthyroid, same thing, you're hypermetabolic. You may poop a lot, you may lose weight. And people go, Ooh, that sounds ideal. I'll just take a bunch of T3. No, because your heart is suffering. Not only that, you are it really, it's a metabolic inflammatory situation. Situation. It is, it's hypermetabolic. You don't want that. The species that are hypermetabolic don't live long, like a hummingbird and you're done and you're done. And same with insulin. Actually, the longest living creatures excrete the least amount of insulin, which is why, and this is a separate note, but people who are like athletes and they look good, but then they're like, why am I pre-diabetic? How did that happen? It's because you might be getting away with it on the outside, but your pancreas doesn't like it when you keep knocking the door on it. And so when you carb up with your shake before you run, because you're an athlete, you got 150 carbs, it's got the carbs, it's burning the carbs, it's got the carbs. After a while, it's like, F you, dude, I'm done with this job, right? So it's funny because a lot of people will be like, oh, I wish I had her body. And I'm like, check her blood work. You may not want her body <laughs> at all. A lot of these people are inflamed pre-diabetic messes who have great figures. So again, it's, you really can't judge a book by the body. And so just know that, you know, that's also the case too. I think it's just important for everybody to feel, not everyone's trying to be a shape model, but being comfortable in your own skin. I mean, when I was hypothyroid and I suffered for years and I was, God, it was so depressing. I cried multiple times a day and I just, it's so lonely. It's so depressing. You just can't wait to go to bed because you feel so bad in this body that you're like, I just want to go to bed so I don't have to live in this anymore. I mean, that's how horrible it is. I'm sure people with other ailments also feel this way too. And I know what that's like. You know, I was riddled with over 30 of the 40 symptoms I have in my book and, you know, and, and severely depressed and it really does affect your brain. And I think I want to point that out because that's the one symptom a lot of people won't talk about. And so let me just say this about that. Yes, people have brain fog where like they can't retain information. They don't want to read. They don't remember numbers. Like they're speaking backwards, almost dyslexia of the mouth. Absolutely that stuff. It's also messy handwriting. It's brain to hand dexterity. It's being clumsy. You're like, why am I I'm totally an athlete? Why am I uncoordinated all of a sudden? I keep knocking into stuff, that kind of stuff. But also in your brain, if you think you're getting dumber, if you have a thought where you're like, I think I'm getting older, or I'm getting dumb or something's wrong with my mind cognitively. And that's something a lot of people don't express. That is hypothyroidism. We have more receptors in our brain for T3 than anywhere else. It's absolutely a thing. You're not thinking right, but a lot of people don't express that. They're too afraid because it's weird. Or they just think like, I don't know, I'm getting older. Oh, well, you know, my aunt Mary, she was kind of a recluse. Oh shit. Maybe I'm going down the road a bit. Maybe aunt Mary had untreated hypo. Let's not relegate yourself to this life, but it's scary. The mind stuff's scary and it's hard to express. And the reason I mentioned that is because I talked on the phone once about this. Uh, I was on an interview and I had one of my good friends was in the room with me and I get off the interview and she's bawling crying. And she's like, you just described. And she had seen me go through the whole thyroid thing all these years. She ne uh, never thought to test her for thyroid anything until she started bawling. And she was like, the stuff, the brain, I feel I'm getting dumb. I, oh my God, we tested her. She had Hashimoto's and she'd been eating a shitload of gluten. And then you know what she did? She stopped all the gluten. We got her optimized and literally not kidding. Six to eight weeks later, hair, full, vibrant skin. I mean, she must've dropped just 10, 15 pounds in like inflammation. 
it was amazing. That was a perfect example of someone could control through diet, who didn't know better, who was eating a bunch of gluten, eating a bunch of junk. And frankly, it was really affecting her brain and her Hashimoto's. And she was one of those people that's able to keep it at bay. If she just does the diet right and keeps it right, she can keep it at bay. She was the last person in the world that I would have thought would have had a thyroid problem, especially since she was my best. She's seen me go through it, write the book. She knows every symptom I've ever had. And she never said anything because she didn't seemingly have any issues. She never saw her have weight issues. I did notice the brain stuff. I did ask her at one point, are you depressed? You know, she, people with brain fog uh, and hypothyroidism are, it's almost like talking to a drunk person where it's like their eyes are just like, it's going right through them. You can tell someone's not really retaining or able to listen. It's not that they're being rude. There's just something off. I noticed that she had stopped exercising and taking care of herself, or at least it looked like it. That was probably the Hashimoto's weight gain. And so those are tough conversations to have when you notice these things about people. You don't want to be like, hey, no, she's been kind of fat lately. And you know, like, I mean, that's tough. I noticed the brain thing. And then when I got off that call and she was crying, I was like, oh my God, maybe we need to test you for thyroid stuff. Turns out, who knew? And her dad had type one diabetes. So if you have people in your family with autoimmune disorders, you know, again, get the stuff tested and ruled out quick before it gets out of hand. Because if you know you have Hashimoto's or an autoimmune disorder now, hey, you can eat for it. Well, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation. I will definitely want to bring you back. And I know the information that you're sharing with the listeners is going to be life-changing. I cannot tell you how many women come to me that have undiagnosed Hashimoto's, which we know is 80 to 85% of those with hypothyroidism. But not only that, people who are just not being well-managed and being able to advocate for yourself feeling empowered to be able to bring information to your healthcare provider or make the different the decision to start working with a functionally trained provider can be life altering. I mean, I tell everyone very openly, I only work with a functionally trained healthcare provider and we work very collaboratively together, but that's how it should be with your yes. doc that you're like in there with them together and they're really there to geek out on solving what, you know, your issue is, and I just want to say one last thing about hypothyroidism, the mindset component, mm-hmm. you know, Louise Hay found a connection between what was going on emotionally with hypothyroid. If you have thyroid issues, start to think about, am I not expressing myself creatively in life? Or am I having a lot of situations where I don't speak up, get choked up in the throat? When I first got diagnosed with hypothyroidism, this was only in hindsight that I understood this. I was in a relationship with a moody kind of drinky person who was like, you had to walk around on eggshells and all that kind of stuff where you're always like choked up. I mean, never again. Right. But when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's interesting that this came upon me in a time where I really was choked up. Didn't feel like speak up. So just look at those things too. Yeah. Yeah. That throat chakra. So I'd love for listeners to be able to connect with you and obviously get connected with you to look at your thyroid book and your new book, as well as your podcast. How can they connect with you? What's the easiest way to find you? Well, just go to lrus.com, E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S. And I have a free thyroid guide right there. Tells you all the tests we just talked about. It even tells you resources for maybe how to find a good doctor in your state or country. It also tells you like what time of day to get tested what questions you should ask a doctor before even going in there to see if you even want to waste the copay. Like, are they even at all? Maybe know what they're talking about. So a lot of good stuff. You don't need to buy the book, but if you do all the information is on my website or on Amazon, my second book confident is F-U-C-K is just a really fun one there too. And then every Monday on the Primal Blueprint podcast, I interview people like you do as well about, you know, mind body topics. And then every Wednesday on the Kick-Ass Life podcast with Tara Garrison, we just talk about things, you know, from the subconscious mind to lots of tips and tricks for just like how we can live a more kick-ass life. Well, it's been such a pleasure connecting with you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review. Subscribe and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.